Next on BYU Sports Station, stoke up the hype machine for BYU football. Are you buying or selling the preseason buzz? Watch list season begins! Cougars on the Maxwell and Bednarik Awards watch list, all part of a build-up to what's been dubbed the toughest September in school history. Plus, a man who owns victories over Pete Sampras, Boris Becker, and John McEnroe in Studio B. Tennis, anyone? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by... The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live and broadcasting in beautiful, crystal clear radio vision. Presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products, Tuesday, July 7th. Wherever and however you are dialed in, great to have you with us. My name is Spencer Linton. You're back! I am back. We gave you a day off. That's and I'm cool. Teamed up with the assistant script editor for Sharknado Three, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, it's coming out pretty soon. Well, heck no. Have you ever even watched one? Yeah, of those? I've watched both. Have you really? Yes. You are a movie connoisseur. Dude, my wife loves the Sci-Fi Channel, so I've seen both. Yes. <laughs> have you seen it? Have you seen Sharknado? I, I have not seen either Sharknado. I've heard terrible you even things American? about it. I've heard terrible oh, it's things the about worst. it. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't mean... <laughs> but it's part of American it. culture, right? Yes. And Shark Week. Yes. Do yes. You, do you buy into Shark Week other than no. Sharknado? No. What's I, the, I, I don't I, understand I, it. I've never understood it. What is the huge deal with Shark Week? I don't get it. Listen, it's July. Okay. We make things up. Watch lists happen. <laughs> and we go, Shark Sharknado 3 happens. Sharknado 3. Listen, they must be making oh. money. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep making them, right? Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. We promise no Sharknado involved here. Did you have a good day off? I had a fantastic day off. You know? Yesterday I said for every uh, five I get, you get one day off. That's about accurate. That's... You should take more time off. It's good to, ha- it's <laughs> I, good I to have you. You're always gone. It's good. That's true. It's good to have you back. It's good to have you back. BYU quarterback Taysom Hill named to the Maxwell Award watch list this morning, given annually to the nation's best college football player. Oh! His teammate on the other side of the ball, Bronson Kafusi, featured on the Bidneric Award watch list given to the nation's best defensive player. All right. Now, now we're talking. It's watch list season, baby. Exactly. Yesterday, Yahoo Sports' Pat Forty, not Ford, named BYU as owning the hardest schedule in September this season. Quote, the Cougars open at Nebraska, home against Boise State at UCLA at Michigan. Just for kicks, BYU follows that Michigan game with a short turnaround Friday contest against Connecticut on October 2nd. Being an independent is fun, isn't it, Bronco Mendenhall? <laughs> Pat Forty, BYU chose to do this. It is Bronco fun being an Mendenhall independent. Chose yes, to do this. Yes, he answers yes. Yes, unofficially, but ten eight eight eight. BYU basketball finished with the number nine ranking in home attendance last season. The Cougars averaged sixteen thousand one hundred twenty-five fans per game at the Marriott Center. I have a feeling with the upgrades, Jerem, that's going to go up again. By the way, saw a picture via at TV Bacon last night in. The uh, Merritt Center looks great. They've they're putting in the blue seats. They're putting them in, baby. They're going to be so soft and awesome. Nick Emery is out six to eight weeks with a left heel laceration. He suffered in a recreational activity last week. Doesn't look like he'll make the Spain trip in August. Not good. Not the worst thing ever. So he'll be he'll be ready to go in September or end of August. Yeah. But hurt his heel to the degree he's out basically two months. Certainly disappointing and a tough break. So we wish Nick a very quick recovery. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The hype machine. Hill's going to take it himself, and Hilton can get to the edge. And look at Taysom Hill. Could he take 
this all the way? Yes! Joe Tessitore of ESPN answers the question. Yes! Marv Albert? Taysom Hill, man. Dude can do yes. it all. Today marks the beginning of an epic two-week summer journey through the vast <laughs> Grand Canyon what? of college football projections. So hop in the Griswold family truckster, won't you? And come along for the ride. Oh, boy. Are we, <laughs> as we just referenced, BYU quarterback Taysom Hill on the Maxwell Award watch list, one of oh. 80 players, goes to the nation's best college football player. Bronson Kafusi, one of 78 players on the Benaric watch list, goes to the nation's top defensive player at the end of the season. So, my friends, do you embrace the hype or do you purposely downplay it? Championship! BYU is going to go undefeated <laughs> and win the Heisman and Maxwell and Bednar. Listen, here's how I feel about it. I like the hype because it gives me something to do in May, June, July, right? Yep. I, no, I like it. I really do. I Do I embrace it fully emotionally? If you watch this program, you know that I try and stay level-headed. I'm still blue-goggled, but I try and stay level-headed, right? Is Taysom going to win the Maxwell? Probably not. Is Bronson Kafusi going to win the Bednarik? Probably not. But it's fun to see them on these lists because nationally when someone talks positively about you, that's important. That's a huge part of what we do on the show. We're going to tell you what people are saying nationally. We're going to get national guests about BYU sports. So it's good. It's good. And like you mentioned, over the next two weeks, we're going to have multiple awards come out every day. And hopefully BYU guys get on these lists. However, I only see five guys that end up on these lists for BYU in my opinion. You have a decision to make, BYU Sports Nation. Because, as Jerem mentioned, it's July 7th. And when there are no games happening anywhere in this beautiful country of ours to distract you. Besides the U.S. Honduras and the Gold Cup. It's almost impossible to ignore the hype. The media, us involved, make sure of that. Hello. It sets up today's Twitter question. Is preseason BYU football hype good or bad? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Weigh in. At Leif Peevler, hype is a two-edged sword. It only cuts the right way when you live up to it. That's a fair point. Now, what? Okay, that, and that's great by uh, Leif Peebler. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Hype, what hype are we talking about? Okay, there's watch lists, there's individual hype, there's expectations for the season, which I have put at, I think, if BYU wins above eight, that's, that's good. I think eight is kind of the target, right, for me, for a good season. There's also schedule hype. Schedule hype with BYU is bigger this year than it has been. Any of the previous Probably seasons. ever. Maybe ever. Because BYU doesn't have a conference. They're independent. Blah, blah, blah. It's all about September. If BYU goes 1-3 and three in September, not good, right? 2-2, two and two, okay, you can do something. 3-1, and one, crazy. 4-0, oh, nearly impossible. So schedule hype is a big deal this year. No one's talking undefeated. No one's talking New Year's 6 with BYU because the schedule's too tough. It's really, really tough. And there are question marks with the defense, blah, blah, blah. But it's fun because the opportunity is there. The opportunity is there for BYU to do something cool in September. Is it within your duty as a fan of BYU sports to embrace the hype? That's what BYU fans do. See, Jake Keeps Media Day 2011 <laughs> National Championship. What? <laughs> like, do you have to embrace it as a fan? Like, is it, is it written into the contract? Like, hey, if you want to be a diehard BYU fan, you have to, you have to embrace at least a And you have to yell at people to sit down at LaBelle Edwards <laughs> No, to a degree, to be a BYU fan is to get excited about the team, right? What you could listen, you could go to Kentucky or Indiana or Iowa State and be 
Debbie Downer about your season every year. Well, hopefully we'll win four games instead of three this year. It could be. It could be bad. Instead, BYU just had a show called Four Decades of Dominance, right? There's history here. And hopefully that history is created every year. I don't want to talk about the national championship team a lot. It was 31 years ago. I want to talk about this year's team. I want to talk about the future teams that do things. My question is, what else are you going to do? Like, what, why would <laughs> That's you, a valid point. Why would you downplay? Like, what, what else are you going to do? Because you don't want to have your heart crushed. No, I, want, I want to watch The Price is Right, Jerem. I'm not buying You can still I, do that. I, I, is Drew Carey new? Is it still cool? I think so. Post I don't know. Bob Barker? Price not is wrong. Cool. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. price is wrong. Um, at Fury <laughs> Sports Nation just quoted this today. Uh, just right now. Uh, Stuart Mandel. Congratulations to every college football player in America for making a watch list. Today. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not how it works. However, 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 what last about- summer, Edward Fusi made the Remington watch list. He never even started a game for BYU. What about dealing with the hype as a player? On Media Day, we asked the quarterback, y'all, Taysom Hill, how he handles the national buzz. Uh, so I, I kind of have like a golden rule, if you will, um, of trying to avoid all media, like reading what's, what's uh, written about me and what people say about me. The emphasis there, try. He tries to avoid it. Yeah. Besides but BYU can't. Sports Nation, I think that's assumed, right? But he can't. Even Okay, again, like if, if you're purposeful, you're trying so hard to downplay and ignore it in our day and age, it's impossible. So as a player, do you embrace it? When, you, like when something comes up, do you embrace it or do you downplay it? Listen, last year there was a lot of pressure for BYU to go undefeated. Okay? And they felt that. Positive pressure like that is tough. Ohio State's really, really good. Really good. Like, they're the preseason favorites by far to win the national championship. They were a year early on that. If they don't win, it's a disappointment. Can you imagine that standard? How would you like that expectation? It's too much. It really is. And they won it last year. I'll be surprised if they win it this year just because it's so hard to do again. So should we be like, hey, BYU, you better go to a bowl game or it's a disappointment? Well, that, is that that hard? Like, you I, win half your game. You I know, don't know. A like, lot of 82 teams are going to go to thing. a bowl game, Expectations right? and hype are, 80? They are, it's an interesting dynamic. It is. The two-edged sword comment is interesting by uh, Leif Peebler because what are the expectations related to BYU this year? I don't think they're crazy high. So I think that this year, and I asked Taysom Hill this on Media Day, is this, year, is this preseason a little easier for you to handle because no one's saying undefeated? And he, and he brushed off saying, like, no, there's still pressure internally for us to do our best. Yeah, and he followed I that get, up. But no one's saying go undefeated. There is, we're taking into account several losses for BYU this year, and it's okay. Yeah, he followed that up with, look, we're not going into any game thinking, Oh, man, we're going to lose. And nor should he. And yeah, nor would they, I expect him to. No, they, nor, they believe they can win each and every game. You don't go into UCLA saying we're going to lose. I, from, from this chair, though, I can say, listen, that's going to be a really tough game to win. And I'd be surprised. I love the hype because it creates funny instances like the one I'm going to tell you about right now. And maybe you heard this, but we're going to relive it. Now, in some instances, the offseason hype can be used to motivate players, especially in the case of freshman All-American T. John Karoma, who when the initial Remington watch list was released, which is given to the best center in America, he was somehow, as a freshman All-American, not included in that. His offensive line coach, Garrett 2J, <laughs> jumped all over that to remind T. John just how disrespected he was. Listen to this. 
you don't think that there hasn't been a day that's gone by since that list has come out that I've shot Tijan a text message saying, <laughs> oh, nobody, nobody in the world even knows who you are anymore. Nobody knows who you are, Tijan. How do you respond? Okay, so he's using it to motivate players. That's why the, I like these things. And they'll use any means necessary to motivate guys within the rules of ethicalness. Yes. <laughs> By the way, Ethics. the, the Remington folks have uh, they they, added. Him. They and, have adjusted their egregious omission. <laughs> and tomorrow it comes out somehow. I thought it all, already came out. It's on their website. Yeah, that one's weird. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, it's validating. It's great to be discussed nationally. But then there's the... It creates expectations argument. So interesting dynamic here with whether you embrace it or downplay it. Yeah. Is Taysom Hill one of the 80 best offensive players in America? Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Is Bronson Kofusi one of the 78 best defense players? We yes. like to think so. Nebraska is going to find out about both of those guys in person in a couple of months. Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 60 days. Oh, man. Hey, I'm going false start. On the offense, we got we got we got to get in sync, man. You've been gone. I wasn't We're sure if it was sync. sixty days away or six, six, sixty days. days away. Sixty days away. Sixty days away. Hey, what, you, what like, the... you like syncopation? So I why? Of course, I would go that. Typically, way. I like to keep it simple. We run a simple offense here. Just make simple reads, make the throws, <laughs> get what the defense take. What the defense gives you, give it one hundred ten percent. So great to be back. <laughs> you sixty days me, away. You called me. S- Snark NATO yesterday in the text. <laughs> you have to admit that was very that was clever. really good. Yes, the Snark NATO that is Jerem Jordan is snark alive and well. NATO. The conversation okay. is always going on Twitter. Good to see you too. Our Twitter question today <laughs> is: Preseason BYU football hype, good or bad? More of your responses on the way at CABYU fan says preseason BYU hype is a sport into itself. In and of itself, we absolutely. Are, we are driving that locomotive, baby. He was a member of the 2001 BYU National Championship volleyball team, and he's back to help coach BYU toward what he hopes is another one. Lucas Slave next. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products, simulcast on BYU Radio. Moving pictures, as always, on BYU TV. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation and join our ever-going conversation using the hashtag BYUSN. If you missed any of today's show or any BYU Sports Nation, you can catch up on demand by downloading our podcast on iTunes as well as the TuneIn app. That's new. You can check out the TuneIn app uh, for free as well, or you can visit BYUTV.org slash BYUSN. That takes our list of ways you can uh, dial into the show to 77? 78. Oh, sorry, With Amazon Fire uh, (laughs) app now. You have no excuses. I'm dead serious. You have no excuses, people. Not on Sunday. Our Twitter question today is preseason BYU football hype good or bad? Why or why not? Tell us what you think using the hashtag BYUSN. At NateDub9 says, and he quotes, walk softly and carry a big stick. You can't walk softly when you have a building like this one. Well, here's the thing. Like when you have players getting on lists like this and Taysom Hill with as loud as he was on the football field on the national scene, it's hard to walk softly into this season, which, again, Pat Forty dubbed the most difficult September in all of college football. Like, There's be, nothing soft or quiet <laughs> about BYU football. <laughs> They're in the That's spotlight. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, Do you embrace it? Maybe you hate it. I don't know. Tell us what you think. Joining BYU Sports Nation right now for the first time making his debut in Studio B is Lucas Slabe. 
men's assistant volleyball coach for the Cougars. Luca, welcome to Studio B. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, your journey back to Provo. Let's start there. When did you decide that coaching at BYU and coming back to Provo was a realistic option for you in your professional career? You know, I've been, I was playing with that idea for, I would say, a couple of years, but never got to the point where that actually would be possible to execute. Uh, in December, uh, I was Skyping with Chris McGowan, and somehow, you know, we came down to, hey, Luca, you want to come to BYU? We want you. Uh, we would like to have you. And uh, I'm like, Chris, give me a couple of days. And I think it lasts less than a couple of days to figure it out, you know. Um, talked to my wife, and it felt like a good idea and great, great opportunity in my career, in our lives. And then it takes. It's a long pr process to, you know, to actually not to get hired, but whole paperwork with visa and stuff. So I had to be low profile for a couple more months. Meanwhile, I did resign as a national team head coach, and everybody was like, why? But I couldn't tell them exactly why, mm. so I, I had to keep it low profile, and uh, here I am. Was it worth it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as I took that decision, I knew it was worth it. As soon as I resigned, I knew that's a, it's a good move on my behalf. And, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very thrilled, and I'm very enthusiastic to be here back to this program and this university. Interesting. So that means they knew that Mike Wilton was going to retire. There'd be a position, kind of penciled you in there, uh, and then you came in after. That's great. Uh, yeah. Then Chris McGowan decides, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have more family time. I'm going to step down. So when, when do you get that news, and then do you ask, do I have a job there still? Yeah, Chris called me a couple days before he was about to announce uh, his decision. And it was not the most comfortable thing that I've heard in in those days. <laughs> and, yeah, one of the questions is, hey, am I still on board? Because you have to know I resigned from the national team. I uh, told my agents that I'm done with Europe now for a few years, so don't look for my team. And in, in Europe, teams are searching for coaches already in February, so I closed the door. There was no way for me to get into any serious club. And we sold our house, and my wife resigned from her job. You know, she's a big-time business lady, so she we did it all. And now here I am, Chris resigned, am I still on board? But Chris told me, yes, you're on board. I received the uh, phone call from the athletic administration. They told me, Luca, you're all good, and whoever's going to be our new coach, uh, you're going to be on board, no worries. So at that point, you're thinking, who's the new head coach, right? And then it happens to be one of your old teammates. Yeah. yeah, you know, first I thought, okay, Rob's been here for, for how many years? He'll most likely get hired. And then Sean applied, and now we have, a, I think, a 50-50 run right there. And, yeah, I, I, I had an opportunity to play with both these guys. They're great gentlemen, and we're good friends. And uh, I was like, you know, either of these two guys, I think we're going to do a, a really good job. And, uh, as I said, I'm thrilled uh, to go to the gym as soon as possible and do some damage. What was that first conversation like with Sean Olmsted when he officially became the head coach and you knew it and that you two were going to be back together? It was very brief because Sean was just hired. He had to come to some closure with his uh, women's team, was media, was just tons of stuff that need to, needs to be handled. Uh, so our meeting was maybe 15, 20 minutes. And... Uh, Last week, traveling and recruiting, that's where we actually got to spend a little bit more time planning 
and uh, you know kind of throwing things on the table to see what must be done to be successful in the next few years is he still the same kind of guy that he was when you played with him at byu sean right now is the same sean that i know <laughs> he was that weird that. yeah he was always special <laughs> <laughs> sorry sean <laughs> Did he wear neon back then? Like he, he wears a ton of neon now. Did he wear neon when he was there? I don't know. I don't think so. No? no. It wasn't a thing like no. in 2003. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it was out there yet. <laughs> Maybe. What, uh, what made you want to come back to BYU? So uh, Europe is a, uh, it's a very different place also when we talk about sports. So professional volleyball, uh, it's challenging like college volleyball or any professional or college sport. Uh, biggest difference over there is that team presidents or directors or owners, they don't give you any time to grow. So usually, you know, yeah, you can sign the long-term deal over there is two years. Wow. Mm. Okay, so it's really, really hard to put something in place. Um, and usually it's hard to bring your staff with you that's going to back you up, that's going to work with you and make this program successful. That's number one thing. Number two thing is... You go just, you drive for a couple hours, north, south, east, wherever. You're in different country with different language, with different culture. Everything is different. Here you go from east to west, you know, cuisine might change, but otherwise everything stays the same. And to move my family around with my kids going to school and my wife being a successful business lady, it just didn't sound and feel right you know to move around and i'm going to be away for 10 months with my family and then i'm with the national team for another two months so i did the math and if i would continue with this type of uh, lifestyle i would be away from my family i would say probably three years straight basically seeing them maybe a week a year and every now and then maybe a weekend so i'm like you know i'm done with that i need to take advantage and opportunity to go to byu and to united states and I get to see my kids in the morning. I get to see my kids in the evening, and my wife, of course. So that was one of that's 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 what one of the biggest reasons were for me to come here. And also, we know BYU is one of the best institutions in the world. Uh, volleyball program, not just volleyball program, but all the athletic programs are just top of the notch, and um, it's just great environment to be in. And that's where I want to be with my family. You bring up cuisine. And it's uh, obviously very different. You get back to America, talking to your wife, family. What's the first thing you want to eat when you get back to America? Cafarillo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a frequent fly member, so I think first two weeks I was 12 out of 14. Wow. Well, okay, then. So well. I, was, I was almost there. Almost. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you played at BYU uh, in, a, in a special time where in 01 there was a championship, and then I think right... Uh, what would have been your senior year? Oh, four BYU won it again. What What was it like during that era? As BYU kind of took the step to the next level, and now as a coach, you hope to take BYU back to that level. Yeah, when I came to BYU, was of course a little bit of shock. I'm not talking about culture, church, or anything. I'm just saying volleyball. You know, here is Carl McGowan, Hugh McCutch, and Troy Tanner, guys with gold medals. And here is Luca coming and telling Carl, maybe we should do it like this. And he tells me, so maybe you should go home. And, <laughs> you know, and here I am. You know, here I am, you know. That's classic try, Carl. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I figured out that, you know, I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to be open-minded. I'm going to have to learn. And it was a highly demanding environment. So I can say for four years I was tired. Not just physically, but also mentally. 
I was trying to be a good student, to be a good husband, to be the best teammate for my teammates. And uh, that's what I learned. Work hard, try to establish demanding environment, uh, to have high values and standards and seek for, you know, details because that's the only way to get better and to have some progress and to win the championships. Let's fast forward now back to this year and what you bring back. And uh, Jeremy and I have discussed this. The future looks very bright for BYU Volleyball, especially with the addition of Ben Patch and the emergence of Brendan Sanders. So when you look at this year's team, what are your expectations? You know, it's not, ju- it's not just these two guys. It's uh, the, whole, the whole picture has to be in place. The whole support team, it's not just support. Every guy is going to have a tremendous value. Uh, because these two guys that you've mentioned, they're not the only guys that can carry this team. Uh, and we have guys that are eager at getting better to perform at higher level. Uh, of course, these two guys, I hope they can be our leaders. I don't know if they've shown that so far, but that's something they need to do in case for this program to be successful. And as I said, it's not just to the, just these two guys. And I really hope there's going to be more guys standing up to a challenge and uh, what I really want is to have these guys uh, to keep each other extremely accountable for everything that's going on in their lives right now. You're a former uh, national team coach, as you mentioned, of uh, Slovenia, where you're from. Uh, Brendan Sander, Ben Patch getting some experience with Team USA. What kind of value does that add to their, their game for the upcoming season? Yeah, as I said, it's not just these two guys. It's also Jake. You know, He's down in Anaheim, and these guys are getting valuable reps to at least – practice during the summer most of the guys they don't get that because they're not on any type of national team or program that will allow them to get those reps so for us from the point of getting better this is extremely important i wish all the guys could do that you know overseas there's no limitation in europe there's no limitation on practice time so you can do whatever you want to do as a coach with your players and uh, of course the question is the players they want to do it they want to have just fun and rest (laughs) but yeah we're trying to make sure these guys get lots of reps Uh, I hope they play some sand volleyball because that's the closest thing they can do to volleyball right now I hope they're doing weights because it's going to be extremely demanding fall you already shared with us one little tidbit featuring Carl McGowan what's the number one lesson you took from him that you will implement in your own coaching style um, attention to detail, uh, no mediocrity. Um, so those are two big ones, but, you know, we can talk about this for an hours, but uh, just hard work, hard work and be loyal to what you do. And, um, yeah, and there's many other things, you know. He's kind of, he's my Bible. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so that's Carl. Um, when you look at... Uh the coaching staff. So Sean Olmstead, head coach, you're an assistant. Is is the other assistant in place yet? You know, I really hope Rob will stick around and he decides to stay with us. Otherwise, we're going to be, you know, fishing for another assistant coach because we need that coach as soon as possible so we can start organizing fall and especially winter. Luke, it's been great to have you in Studio B. We would like you to sign our BYU Sports Nation Rise Up flag before you leave. That's something that all of our in-studio guests yeah. do. And uh, We haven't had too many Slovenians send the flag. That's so true. Yeah, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> Thanks for having me, and I hope the next time we talk in the studio, we're going to have a title under belt.
There you go. Yeah. Well, I think we'll talk to you before then. Okay. Perhaps during the season. Okay, even better. We won't on wait till May. Way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on your way to another title, Lucas Slabe, assistant coach of BYU men's volleyball, making his debut on BYU Sports Nation. Jerem, hand him the goods. Up next, we continue with our big-time interviews. BYU tennis coach Brad Pierce, a guy who has won at Wimbledon. BYU Sports Station brought to you by the Cougar Club, supporting BYU's 623 student-athletes. Welcome to the club. Welcome back to Studio B as well. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out on a Tuesday. Hey, get your hands on some BYU Sports Nation swag. You can go to, to thebyustore.com, get some blue goggles, uh, BYU Sports Nation t-shirt. Go to thebyustore.com today. The hype machine looks awfully beautiful. With the blue goggles It is on. perfect with the blue goggles on. That's exactly right. It's 72 degrees all day long and all night long. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like, I think Huntington Beach is the view through there. Something like that. BYU quarterback Taysom Hill, as expected, named the Maxwell Award watch list, given annually to the nation's best college football player. He's one of 80 players. His teammate, Bronson Kafusi on the defensive side of the ball, on the Bidneric Award watch list, given to the nation's best Defensive player. No big surprise there from those two. Those guys are good. Yahoo Sports Pat Forty names BYU as having the hardest schedule in September nationally. Yeah, no uh, argument there from I, us. Exactly. Of course. We think it's like, it's, yeah, we, we know. think it's the toughest. We know, Pat. BYU basketball finished with the number nine ranking in home attendance this season. The Cougars averaged just over sixteen thousand fans per game with all the blue seats and the renovations coming in. I think that number is going to jump up again next season. Uh, yeah, it'll jump up despite uh, capacity going down. Mm-hmm. And Nick Emery is out six to eight weeks. He has a left heel laceration. He suffered in a recreational activity last week. Doesn't look like he'll make the Spain trip in August with the team. Yeah, unfortunate news there for Nick. We wish him a speedy recovery. Joining us now, our second guest and in Studio B is Brad Pierce, the head men's tennis coach at BYU, two-time NCAA All-American and four professional double titles during his career. Brad, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you. Nice to be here. I get a kick out of the fact that you have recorded wins over the likes of John McEnroe, Peter Fleming, Boris Becker, Pete Sampras, Stefan Edberg. When you look back at the career that you had as a tennis player, what's your favorite victory? Which one floats to the top? Well, I, I would say any of them. Uh, you know, the competition is just so fierce and it's everybody's so good. You know, I, I get that question a lot. And, and my response is any time I got a win was a good win. Um, and, you know, the competition's even, even gotten better and, and stronger. Athletes have gotten more physical. It's, it's just incredible what's happened in, in the sport of tennis. But, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, getting to the quarters of Wimbledon and, and the wins I had along the way. Uh, you know, is up there at the top. But any time I beat one of the legends, uh, you know, those were the matches I really got up for and, you know, was excited to get those wins. And that's big time, and it's an exciting period right now because Wimbledon's going on right now. What's, what's this time like every year as you kind of relive what happened in 1990? Yeah, I mean, I, it brings back great memories, uh, tra- traditions of Wimbledon and, um, you know, the grass and just kind of the pomp and pageantry. That, the strawberries uh, and cream. Strawberries and cream, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just, just good memories. Um, you know, I was there. I played that event uh, almost 12 times. So I played in the, in the junior event when I was a junior player. So spent a lot of, of my lifetime uh, there in London during this time of the year. As you watch the tournament this year, and I know this is you know, a question you probably get a lot, but who do you, who do you root for? Uh, as a guy that has played on those courts, and now you're just an onlooker. 
Well, I, you know, I don't, uh, I, I admire um, so many of the players. Uh, I, I just want to see good competitive matches, and, and uh, of course we're going to get that. Um, it's always fun to watch, you know, the, the guys, the gritty competitors, the, the tough five-set matches that go down to the wire. Um, you know, I don't really have any favorites. I, I just kind of like to watch everybody. Uh, give us an idea of what it's like to walk out to center court there at Wimbledon, that experience. Yeah, um, well, so when I played Lendl in uh, 90 in the quarters, uh, I'd never played on center court before. And so I was, I was uh, it kind of caught me by surprise when they, when they changed our court. We were originally scheduled to play on court two, uh, which they call the graveyard court. And, uh, Why do they call it that? Because uh, you know a lot of the top players had had lost on that court ah, through the years. Gotcha. So um, I'd beaten Mark Woodford there, who was a great player, a legend, a doubles legend, and in straight sets. So I was feeling pretty confident. Um, well, I, I, I let me back up. I don't I don't think I was feeling confident against the number one player in the world, but I felt <laughs> I, I felt I certainly felt comfortable playing on that court, mm-hmm. um, and. And just before um, we were kind of getting ready for the match, the warm-ups, uh, somebody from the referee's office came and said, uh, Mr. Pierce, we've, we've changed you to center court. So you were no longer playing on court two. You are now playing on center court. So that, that kind of changed the dynamic of the match for me in a dramatic way. No big deal for Lendl. You know, he'd played you know, there many times. Um, so, I, you know, obviously now it was worldwide television and – and bowing to the royal box, and oh, I hope I don't mess that up. <laughs> and so all these, all these thoughts, you know, the first guy in the world, to, you know, to you know bungle that. So all these thoughts are going through my mind. And someone uh, from the tournament committee, they have you in a little bit of a holding room before they, you know, they get the TV, and you know, you go out onto the court. And we're sitting there, and someone from the committee's telling me about all the protocol and. And not, nothing's registering at all. I'm just thinking about the match, and I don't want to blow this. I don't want to make a fool of myself. <laughs> so not, nothing's registering at all. And, uh, you know, so we go out onto the court, and, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to Lendl f- for this. Uh, he's become uh, – I, I don't know if we, I could say he's a friend, but um, I, I always have had a great respect and admiration for his gesture as we were walking out. He kind of whispered to me. He said, "Hey, just just do what I do, and you'll be fine." I think he sensed that I I was a little nervous. I'd never been on center court before, and never done the the bow to the box, and so I, I thought that was really kind and and sensitive of him. You know, as as we're going out to compete against each other. Did you nail it? Uh, yeah, I think I did okay. <laughs> I, w- I wish I had playback of that, but. Um, you know, I, I didn't have any repercussions from it, so I guess I did okay. Well, here's the thing. If you hadn't nailed it, there wasn't, like, the social media craze back then. True. So, you know, you had at least you had that working in your favor, but but you nailed it. I would have been ribbed from my family, for my <laughs> family, for probably for the rest of my life. But <laughs> Brad Pierce with us on BYU Sports Nation, the men's tennis coach here at BYU, two-time NCAA All-American. We were just talking about some of his experiences at Wimbledon. And I'm gathering from uh, just talking with you that – you know, you you can take away some some serious experiences and lessons to uh, to use in your future. Uh, what are, what are some of the lessons that you take away from Wimbledon that you share with your team? Well, I think uh, you know certainly things that we talk about on a regular basis is are, are preparation. 
um, you know, you know, you don't just arrive for those big occasions without a lot of preparation, a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifices made along the way. Uh, so, you know, we certainly instill, try to instill in, in my players, you know, the idea that you know we we've got to be prepared for those big matches, those big occasions, well ahead of time. Um, and then when you get in the moment, you just you just focus on the here and now, the present. You don't get caught up in the future or you know bad mistakes in the past. And uh, so I think those are it's kind of becomes a mental battle. Uh, when, once you're on the court, you, your game is what it is up to that point. So then it just kind of becomes controlling your emotions and and rising to the occasion at the appropriate time. Brad, you wrote a book that I imagine those life lessons are in. Uh, but tell us about the book that uh, is new that you that you wrote. Yeah, um, so I did an Education Week presentation, pretty much the same title that uh, ended up being the title of the book. And um, so I, I spoke on on the topic. This was 2012. And um, I, I felt like the, the people that were there that listened uh, to the presentation, it was well-received. And uh, so at the end, after a couple of people came down and asked some questions, um, the last person in the room uh, introduced herself and said she was an, an acquisitions editor for Cedar Fort Publishing, said that she listened to the presentation, liked some of the ideas that I presented, thought they were, I think she, the word she used was fresh. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I thought that was a good word and, and uh, compelling and uh, asked me there on the spot if I'd be willing to expand upon some of the themes that I spoke on and write a book that they would publish. Yeah, what better way than to put it in print? Yeah, so um, you know, almost uh, you know, three years later, uh, it took took me a long time to kind of think through what I actually wanted to say. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to write a so-called sports book. You know, my I, it's not like I'm a legend of the sport. I had some great wins and I had a, a successful career, but it's not like I'm Pete Sampras and multiple Grand Slam champions. So I. I really wanted to write about those things that I, I felt could help certainly youth about goal setting, sacrificing, um, aligning with the goals that you set, something that I thought would, would be of value to, to anybody, regardless of whether they were even involved in sports or were pursuing academics, the arts, music, whatever. So I, I wanted to write something that, that had, was applicable to a broad range of, of people and and goals and so forth. Well, here it is. Life Lessons from Center Court at Wimbledon. Uh, Lavelle Edwards, the great man, has uh, given his stamp of approval to it, uh, as many others have, uh, of course, by Brad Pierce. We have copies, and so we're fortunate that you know we have association with you. But for those across BYU Sports Nation that want to get their hands on it, how do they do that? Well, um, BYU Bookstore is a, a good place. Um, Deseret Book carries it. Um, Amazon Online, Barnes & Noble, Siegel. Um, it, when it when it debuted, it uh, it on Amazon. It was the number one new release in racket sports at the time. Nice. So I I, f- I feel like it's been well received, and and as I said, I I think it uh, it covers topics that I think are applicable to to really anyone. Ain't no party like a Wimbledon party, right, Coach? So what are you doing this Saturday? They're, you're playing doubles with the governor. Yeah. So um, is he any good? Uh, he is a good player. Yeah, yeah, okay. he is. He he's uh, he's a very good player. BYU grad, I believe. So um, I'm looking for him to carry me. 
<laughs> you got it. You just go up front. I'll get everything behind you. Right. Yeah, so um, as kind of a, uh, the official book launch for the book, I teamed with the Utah Tennis Association, and uh, we felt that kind of tying in, if you remember the old breakfast at Wimbledon they used to have on NBC, I remember those uh, mornings from my days as a youth, and so I thought that would kind of be a fun way to uh, tie into the Wimbledon theme and, uh, you know, of yesteryear and a good way to launch the book and create some excitement as well about tennis in the community. And uh, so we, we worked and uh, called up the governor's office and got him involved as my partner. I think that'll be fun. And um, actually, T.C. Christensen is, is going to be the fourth. He's going to team with Brian Marchant, who's the director of tennis at Liberty Park. And T.C.'s a uh, famous filmmaker, right? Right, yeah. correct. So I, I, I wasn't aware that he was an avid tennis player, so I, mm. I've never met him. So uh, we'll meet across the net, and hopefully it'll be friendly. <laughs> Listen, Jeremy, we'll see, and I, yeah, Jeremy and I are never going to be great tennis players, but we do we do want to get involved. Especially Jeremy, he wants to be a ball boy at some point. Can you make Can you make that happen? Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a little tryout, <laughs> the little sprint across. Make, make sure you can do the right the right throw. If you look, if you, <laughs> if you review, review the Wimbledon tape, you can see how those throws are made. If Rick Riley can do it, I can do it. We want to ramp, <laughs> we want to ramp up some of your home matches in the future with Jerem Jordan as a, a featured ball boy. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And you have pizza, right? At the pizza, matches? yes. You guys are the famous pizza yes. team. Yes, very good. Yes, we'll make sure we have some pizza for you as well. <laughs> what kind of pizza is it? Uh, you name it. What What would you like? We'll have it there for you. <clears throat> we'll talk after. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to think about crust, this. crust, Domino's. Sausage, yeah, all that. All right, okay. There's no easy answer. Life Lessons from Center Court at Wimbledon, written by Brad Pierce. He's our featured guest in the studio. Be right now. Check it out. Great read. Uh, and we remind, oh, please, yeah, sign, sign our Rise Up flag before you go, Coach. All right. We've only had a few former players at Wimbledon. So. All right. Where With the generous right support here. of the Cougar right. Club, BYU's 623 student-athletes, role models, leaders, graduates, champions, be willing to help them succeed with your donation, and welcome to the club. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan doing it live in Studio B. Holler! Hey, did you miss our interviews earlier with Lucas Slavi or Brad Pierce? Not to worry. That interview and all BYU Sports Station interviews are on YouTube. The BYU TV Sports YouTube channel, in fact. Subscribe now. Don't miss a beat. It's YouTube.com slash BYU TV Sports. Is preseason BYU football hype good or bad? That is our Twitter yes. question today. Good. Good. At Jayzojo Bryan says, hype is part of BYU's preseason legacy. <laughs> it's great until that first loss, and then the fan base goes insane. The quest for, <laughs> for perfection really affected the notion uh, related to this topic, right? Oh, I mean, the quest for perfection is like, it's, it's applicable on so many different levels. I know, but, but perhaps when you're just a football, not for BYU football. When you're a football team and you say the word <laughs> perfection, that's like, uh, what? No, we never saw that coming. Listen, do you embrace okay. it or do you downplay it? Is it good or team. bad? Tell us what you think. Use the hashtag BYUSN when you tweet in. Now, Taysom Hill is a member of the Maxwell Award watch list, one of 80 players. Can you name the last non-P5 player to win it? That brings us to our stat of the day. 
It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. 40. Ty Detmer is the only non-P5 athlete to win the Maxwell Award in the last 40 years. You got to go back to 1974 before Ty Detmer. Some dude from Temple whose name I can't pronounce. (laughs) Ty Detmer is also the last non-P5 Power 5 player to uh, win the Heisman. Now, naturally, when you see these lists, you look for BYU players first, and then you kind of go, okay, which players are BYU going to see on the field this year? I will tell you, Spencer. Please do. The Maxwell Ward watch list given to the nation's best player. It's basically like the Heisman, right? Tommy Armstrong from Nebraska, game one, okay? He's decent. Last two years, he's combined to throw for like 53% completion. See, now, now yeah, I, again, yeah. now I'm wondering like, okay, the validity, the validity of this watch list with Tommy Armstrong, <laughs> who is like one of the most scrutinized, like you read the Nebraska He might blogs. not be the starter. Exactly. And he's on the maximum. Okay, let's keep going. Missouri's running back, Russell Hansbro. He's good. Paul Perkins, UCLA running back, leading rusher in the Pac-12 last year. Nobody they talks about him. All five offensive Nobody linemen. Nobody talks about Paul he's Perkins. He's really good. Matty Malk, Missouri's quarterback. Chucky Ke- Keaton, who's that? Gunner Keel. From Cincinnati, okay? Those guys, that's it. There's some good quarterbacks there. Matty Mock, Chuck Keaton, Gunnar Keel. Gunnar Keel was, he, he got hurt a bunch. He started all the games, but he got hurt a bunch. Bring it on, baby. Okay, so there are six players on the Maxwell Award watch list that BYU will play against. Now as we transition Bring to it the on. Bednarik Award watch list, the number of players grows. Here's my favorite player's name on a team that BYU plays. Zeke Bigger. I repeat, Zeke Bigger, East Carolina linebacker. This guy's awesome. Kentrail Brothers. Sounds like something from the East-West All-Stars, Keen Peel. Missouri <laughs> linebacker. Miles Jack. He's really good. UCLA moved He might moved be the best linebacker. player the BYU faces. Besides Taysom Hill in the mirror. Kyler Fackrell. This guy tore his ACL against Tennessee last year. He's really good. We've had him on the show. Utah State linebacker. Kamale Correa. Boise State defensive end. Nice. He's really good, too. Uh, BYU remembers last year. Malik Collins, uh, defensive tackle at Nebraska. He's a terror in the middle. Uh, Kenny Clark, UCLA, defensive tackle. Darian Thompson, Boise State safety. One of the best safeties in the country. Now, look at this. And then Nick Vigil, Utah State linebacker. Multiple players... From the same team. A couple of Utah State guys. A couple of Boise State guys. Same mm-hmm. with UCLA. Okay, so How about Utah State getting two on the bid in Eric? Pretty good. Their defense is... Well, the, they deserve those, it. Those guys are stars. They deserve Losing it. Losing JoJo Natson, who got kicked off the team the other day, huge loss for Utah State. Do you embrace the hype or do you downplay it? What about when you look at the opponents? Are you worried now? Are you worried? I ain't worried. No, September's tough. You don't have to be on a watch list to be good. By the way, Ohio State has four players on the Maxwell Award watch list. Three of them are quarterbacks. <laughs> They're going to eat each other out and not have a Heisman winner. I'm calling it now. Up oh, next, the whip around hits Be- on BYU Sports Nation. Maybe beat, not eat. Beat. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Hey, can I do this part, Jerem? Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Award watch lists have begun. Taysom Hill made the 80-player Maxwell Award watch list, given to the best player in the country. Bronson Kafusi named the Bednarik Award watch list, which is given to the best defensive player. Also, Pat Forty of Yahoo Sports says BYU is playing the toughest schedule in September. We know. Men's basketball. The NCAA released attendance numbers for last season in college basketball. BYU finished ninth with an average of 16,125 fans per home game. Nice. That's great news. I expect that number will go up with the renovations. Now the bad news. Nick Emery, freshman guard. A lot of hype about that guy. Out six to eight weeks with a left heel laceration. 
He suffered in a recreational activity last week. Doesn't look like he's going to make that international trip to Spain. Tough news for Nick. Cougars in the association. Brandon Davies played his second summer league game this summer because it's the summer with the Orlando Magic Blue team. Davies had two rebounds and two points in seven minutes. He also fouled out in seven minutes. That's hard to do. Well, he can have 10,000 in a summer league game. Oh, can you? Yeah. I, that's how much I don't know about. On his summer league bio, he plays. He played college ball for Virtus Roma for some reason. <laughs> Wait, what? Baseball. Former Cougar Adam Miller pitched an inning and a third for the AA Mobile Bay Bears yesterday. Miller recorded two strikeouts. Zero hits to help Mobile defeat the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. <laughs> that was a huge <laughs> matchup. You throw out the records and those two, those two teams Nobody does it better on the baseball diamond than the Blue Wahoos and the Bay Bears. Oh, boy. Future guest Bill Bender of the Sporting News joins us tomorrow. Plus, Brian Keel. Friday. Big B, always entertaining. Oh, my gosh. Today's yeah. Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Most <laughs> DexterLaw.com. We're giving it to Brandon Davies. Someone... Probably challenged him to get 5,000 minutes, right? <laughs> he did thing? it. We're giving, and he did it. This is one of our first snarky Rise and Shout uh, awards of late. Well, it has to come from the Snarknado, right? That's, that's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> our Twitter question is preseason BYU now? football hype, good or bad? Let's go to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Bronson Biceps. With Brigham's offense, we'll win at least 11 games. The hype is motivating. Hashtag believe in Bronson. Okay. At Blaine Jacob, bad. Only brings the expectations up to a level that is ridiculous. How could you say that the hype is bad? (laughs) I just don't see it. Jim Rome says that's ridiculous. ridiculous. Let's focus on the team, not individuals. Um, I'm going to focus on all of it. (laughs) Our elite tweet of the day. At Jim SH62 says at BYU Sports Nation, not to get all mushy, but I appreciate your job to keep us all up to date and excited about all BYU sports. Hype is good. You are welcome, Jim. Bro hug, and if Glenn Kozlowski was here, he'd kiss you on the cheek. <laughs> Thanks to Lucas Slave, Brad Pierce, and everyone on our crew. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. Not just on the cheek, Jim. The show on demand on BYUTV.org slash BYUSN. And BYUSportsNation.com. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. It's great to be back. Shout out to Hebron Fangupo. We're back to work tomorrow at noon Eastern.